Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. We're starting a brand new series to enter in the new year called Wait What? How to hear from God, how to wait on God, and how to talk to God. Today I'm going to talk about hearing from God. Next week I'm going to speak about waiting on God. But before we get into that, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that it's alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to get into our life and penetrate, change us. That's what we want this year. We don't want to, we don't want to end this year the same way we started. We want to be better. We want to be closer to you. We want to be, Lord God, more fulfilled. Lord God, have more encounters with your presence. Have testimonies of what you do over this next year. Lord God, have stories on how people that we've been praying for their salvation for a long time, for them to get saved. Lord, praying for those, Lord God, that that have been standing in the way. Lord God, that they would get in the move. Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, that this is going to be a great year. Lord God, will you show up in a powerful way? We are hungry. We are hungry. God, invade this room with your presence. Lord, we are hungry for you. We want more of you. Invade our life. Invade our space. Invade our world. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome here. God, our heart, our mind, our life are in tune to you. Speak to us today, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. High five the person beside you as you take your seat and tell them how sexy they're looking. If that's inappropriate, tell them how spiritual. Tell them how holy they're looking. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke. I am not shocked that God speaks. It's the very, very first thing that we see when we open the Bible. It's the first thing that he is doing in the Scripture. He spoke creation into being through the power of his words. There there are ten times that it says in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. Ten times, long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke. God speaking is not surprising. But what's amazing to me is that God wants to speak to me. The fact that God wants to speak to me is another story. The fact that God speaks, not so amazing, but the fact that God wants to speak to me, I don't know about you, but the fact that God, the creator of the universe, that God that said in his speech, let there be light and there was light, God that spoke things, that that same God would want to speak to me. That's what I find amazing. I, I, I call people on the phone uh, now and it's a, it's a miracle if somebody picks up their phone when you call them. I'm happy if I send somebody a text message and they don't leave me on read for a few hours. You can go into a, into a room where there's like important people and, and it's hard enough that they're just going to barely break a smile and acknowledge your presence there. I don't know if you've flown recently, but if you're in economy and you get that horrible seat, the one immediately behind first class, there's you and then there's first class. Those people don't want to even see you. They don't want to even look at you. They, 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 they ask the stewardess, please, they, they've got a curtain that they just ram across so they don't even have to see. They don't, they don't, they're, they're sitting there chowing down on, on lobster and caviar and they don't want to even breathe your horrible pretzel breath. I, I, I'm, I'm amazed that God wants to speak to me. The creator of the universe wants to have intimate relationship with me. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke. 
God's been speaking for a long time. God's spoken multitudes of times. God's spoken in many ways. And I want to encourage you, God is still speaking to us today. Seven times in the book of Revelation, God says, he who has an ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So God's speaking. The question is, are you listening? Have you tuned your ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church? What the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 18. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent stone, arise, can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath, no pneuma, no life in it at all. We can spend a lot of our time investing in man-made things that consume our time, that consume our money, our energy, our effort, our focus. They can consume our passion. They can just suck up our life. Things that distract us from hearing the voice of God. Things that make us tone deaf to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Not bad things, not necessarily even evil things, just they're just distractions. They are things to distract us from hearing from God. They, they have no ability to speak hope. They're things that mask pain, but they don't have any ability to heal it. They're things that grab your attention, but don't improve your life. There are things that arrest desire but can't heal brokenness, things that consume our time, give pleasure, but don't add any purpose to our life. Our job can become an idol. Our hobbies can become an idol. Our habits can become an idol. Now, before I was saved, now everyone say before John was saved. saved. No, say it one more time, before John was saved. I have to give this disclosure because I've shared stories about before I was saved and people go out angry because they think I did this last week. So let's just get it clear. Everyone say, before John was saved. It's a long time ago. I used to smoke two packets of cigarettes a day. Before I was a Christian, two packets of cigarettes a day. They consume. You're smoking two packets of cigarettes a day. That's consuming your life. And I remember when I got saved and I felt like I should give that up and, and I'm glad I give it up. If you are smoking, smoking won't send you to hell. You'll smell like you've been there, but it won't, won't send you there. And, and I was smoking two packets of cigarettes a day. And I remember when I first started contemplating giving them up and I thought to myself, what am I going to do when I drive? How am I going to drive any distance without a cigarette in my hand? It was a habit that it consumed my life. The love of money can be an idol. Fame can be an idol. Trying to be an influencer or trying to be famous. Famous people can become idols. We were at a conference in Australia, Anna and I, and uh, it was one that Justin Bieber was, was attending. He, he turned up at that conference, church conference in Sydney. And the hotel that we stayed at was the same hotel that, that he was staying at. And you couldn't get in the front door of the hotel because it was just lined with young girls, just hundreds of young girls ah, trying to catch a, a view of Justin Bieber, who never went in or out of the front door. But they were hoping just to get a glimpse of a famous person. I remember we walked in the door one night, and they all started cheering for us. And one of the girls was like, why are you cheering for them? They're not famous. And the other girl was like, one of the other girls was like, well, everybody needs to feel good about themselves at some point. Religious relics can become idols. Sacred cows are some of the hardest cows to kill. It's a difference between whether you're following something man-made or God-breathed, and the choice is ours. Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, has spoken many times, different ways, and to many people. God is a God of conversation. God is a God of intimacy. God is a God of connection. God is a God of relationship. God wants to connect, commune, have relationship with you. 
The Bible's not just a story of God's love for humanity. It's a written testimony of his desire and his passion to be in relationship with us. He's been speaking for a long time. It's not a one-off event. He's been speaking in many ways. It's, it's not accidental. And he wants to speak to us today. He wants to speak to you today. All we've got to do is learn, okay, God, how do you speak and how can we recognize it's your voice and not my imagination? How, how can I recognize that it's your voice and not just a thought? God wants to speak to us. How does God speak? Well, it's important to know that God speaks in a variety of ways. It's not just one and done with, with God. God speaks through prophecy, dreams, and vision. In the book of uh, Acts chapter 2, it says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everyone say all flesh. That means he wants to pour it out on you. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. In other words, they shall hear from heaven. Now, God communicates through illustration. He communicates through pictures, through ideas, through concepts. Your young men shall see. There's a vision. God spoke to Abram. He said, the land that you see spoke to Jacob. God gave Jacob a vision. He saw a, a ladder that was ascending into heaven and descending. And he saw angels going up and angels going down. Angels are ministering spirits sent to us who've inherited salvation. So God was speaking to Jacob in a point of crisis where he's wondering, God, are you still with me? What I've done recently is pretty messed up. I, I can understand if you're angry with me, if you're not on my, my side, if you, you, know, you don't want to bless me. And then God speaks to him through a vision, gets his eyes off his circumstances. And but he sees this ladder of angels bringing from heaven into his life. God was saying to him through the picture, I'm still with you. I'm not against you. I haven't abandoned you. I, I'm, I'm going to bless you. So he sees it. God spoke to Joseph in something that he saw. Joseph had a dream. He said to his brothers, I had this dream the other day. You're not going to like it, but I had a dream. And we're out binding sheaves and my sheaf stood high above everybody else's. And you started bowing down and, and acknowledging my awesomeness. His brothers was ticked off. But the vision was from God to give Joseph hope. He had that dream at 17 and he didn't see it fulfilled until he was in his 40s. But God spoke to him through something he could see. When God spoke to Moses, Moses saw a burning bush. Moses said, I'll now turn and see this great sight. He captured his vision. He captured his imagination. God speaks to us through dreams. God will speak to you through a dream. Whether you be awake or whether you be asleep, it's like a dream that God will give you. A dream is a picture or an impression that God paints onto the fabric of your soul. You can see it clearly. It's usually a picture that'll take place in the future and it hasn't happened yet. If it's already happened, it's not a dream, it's just a memory. But God will paint something on the fabric of your soul. You may not be able to explain it. When I was in Bible college, I was in Australia, and I had a, I had a dream uh, that I could see clearly about going to New Zealand, and I would draw the map of New Zealand with fires burning all over New Zealand. And I knew God was speaking to me. I had friends in Bible college like, what does that even mean? I'm like, I don't know. Because that's what a dream is. It's something you see, but you can't really describe it. You don't have the detail. You just have the big picture. Like, what could this mean? I'm like, either God's calling me to New Zealand to be a pyromaniac, or he's calling me to go and see a move of God. I'm gathering because I'm in Bible college. It's the second one. And I'm glad about that because there's far less jail time. But I could see it clearly as I see you today. God was speaking to me in the fabric of my soul. Then there's a vision. Difference between a dream and a vision. Vision usually comes with details. It's an explainable framework of a dream. 
You can see the picture clear and more accuracy. You can describe it in detail. This is how we're going to achieve it. Habakkuk chapter 2, God says, write the vision and make it plain. In other words, write down what you see in detail. When Joseph went to Pharaoh's court and Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't interpret, then Joseph said, I'll tell you what the dream means. And then Joseph gave vision and strategy to Pharaoh's dream. So a vision is God helping you to interpret the dream that he gave you. Then there's prophecy. Prophecy is often a confirmation of what God has already shown you in a dream or a vision. Sometimes it's a precursor to what God is going to show you in the future. Sometimes it's just a challenge uh, that you're heading in the wrong direction and God wants you to change direction. But when prophecy comes, it's often a a picture that's dropped in your spirit. Whenever I've prophesied, very rarely does God give me words. I really wish he would. I've, I've, I've prayed this prayer many times. I'm like, God, I've been obedient in the prophetic hundreds and hundreds of times over many years. I think I'm ready for sentences. But what God will do is he'll just give me a picture of something. And then I've got to see it, and then I've got to stretch out in faith and, and try to put description to the picture. I'm like, I got the picture thing. Now about the words. I remember when I, when I first started out just ministering, going up and praying for people. I remember it was one time I was going to prophesy over somebody, and, and God showed me a picture of an orange. That's all he gave me. All he gave me no other detail. And so then I'm like, God, is this me? Am I imagining this? Am I hungry for an orange? Is my body lacking vitamin C? Should I move to Florida? Like I had no understanding on how, what, what this even meant. And then it came again and it came again and it came again and it came again to the point where you say, okay, well, I know this is not me. It must be God. And so then you step out. I'm praying for you and I see an orange. And then God added detail to that prophecy when I stepped out on that illustration. So sometimes God will put a picture in your spirit. Then God operates in the same realm through the word of knowledge or through the word of wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So the same Spirit that gives us prophecy, dreams, and vision will give us words of wisdom and words of knowledge. A word of knowledge operates in the prophetic realm, and it's God revealing to you something that the person you're speaking to already knows, but you don't know. So it's, it's not prophesying over something that you've never thought about. It's if I was, you know, giving a word of knowledge over Pastor Waldy and I didn't know he was going to Ethiopia. And I said, I, I see you going to Ethiopia. He knows he's got his ticket. He's going there. That's a word of knowledge, a word of common knowledge. I don't know. And it usually is followed up with a prophecy or something else from God. And what God is saying to him is, this is me speaking to you right now. It's like God's highlighter on that. I remember I was uh, preaching in Australia at Christian City Church, doing an altar call for salvation. I, had, I did that altar call for so long, I was like, come on, man, just shut up. Like to myself, are we going to go and get McDonald's? Just, just roll on, these people. And I remember God saying, no, there's more, there's more than more. And then right at the end, God gave me a word of knowledge. There's a man in the balcony and it feels like God's hand is around his throat. And so that's what I, I, I said. I, I don't know who this is, but you're in the balcony. I felt like God just speak to me and say to me, you need to get saved. God's got his hand around your throat. And this guy came charging down to the altar to get saved. And so I said to him, I said, so what's your name? Because I was wondering, why have you been him, making me wait all this time? And, and he said, my name's Bell. I'm like, what? Bell. I'm like, what is wrong with you? He's like, God's got his hand around my throat. <laughs> and it was like God was literally doing that. I didn't know. It wasn't my hand. But what is that? That's a word of, of, of knowledge. Now, a word of wisdom, many of you probably had this, in my experience, has caught me off guard. 
A word of wisdom will be something like this. I'm in a conversation about a spiritual thing or about a life thing, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'll just drop a gem of knowledge. I'll just drop a gem, like a priceless ruby, like something of unbelievable intelligence and wisdom, and I will think to myself, where did that come from? Because I know it wasn't in me. I know I didn't premeditate this. It just came out in conversation and helps that person with their life. That's a word of wisdom. Many of us have that. You're not even aware that God is speaking through you to somebody. So the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, then there's desire and inclination. The Bible says in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. That's not like a faith thing that you can desire and you can acquire it. It's just a desire that God impregnates you with that you want to do this. Ministry like that was like that for me. It was just a desire in my heart. God can speak to you through his audible voice. Now, for me, this has been a once-off. And to be honest with you, it happened many years ago probably about 40 years ago, and I often question myself, I, I really wonder whether that was God's audible voice. But it was to me back then audible. It, it, it's like Saul. Saul's persecuting the church. Saul's an enemy of the church, hates Christianity, gets struck off his high horse blind. God shows up and speaks to him audibly. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It was a life-changing, life-altering experience for Paul. For me, it's only ever happened once. I was, had been away from God, wasn't living for God, had gone to church, made a decision to follow God. I, I didn't really want to go to church because I didn't like, church was just weird. And so, and, and so I, I, I get a God encounter at this church service that I went to. Then the next couple of weeks, I'm running as far away from God as humanly possible. Move town, running from God. My mom calls a youth pastor. He picks me up. He takes me to church every Sunday night. I go to church with him on Sunday night and then all week I'm drinking, smoking, whatever. Come the next week, he picks me up and takes me to church. I go to church Sunday night, all the next week, Monday through to Sunday, drinking, smoking, doing whatever. I was trying to run from God. About the third or fourth week, the youth pastor said to me, hey, listen, if you want to come to church next Sunday, you call me, I'm not going to call you. And I thought, yes, that is awesome. Because I didn't want to go to church. I was not interested in becoming a Christian. I love my life of sin. And so I drank all week and did all the different things and came back next Sunday afternoon. I woke up in bed incredibly hungover and ill, as you do when you live that sort of a lifestyle. Very glad I didn't have to go to his stupid church. And as clear as you can hear me, I heard God say, if you don't go to church tonight, you never will go to church again for the rest of your life. Now, you would think with my attitude about not wanting to go to church, I would think that was the best thing I'd heard. But I had never heard a voice like that speak, and there was no one else in the room. And it freaked me out. I called the youth pastor. I'm like, hallelujah, blessed be his holy name, praise God. I, 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 I want to go to church with, with thou tonight. I'm longing for the present. I'm like, I'm bringing out every spiritual word I could think of. And so I go to church with him that night. And all that next week, I'm consumed with this word. I'm not drinking, not doing anything. I'm just, I'm not, I don't even know how to respond to that. So that Sunday night, next Saturday morning, the guy I shared my apartment with said to me, hey, I'm going to a party on the Gold Coast of, of uh, just about south of Brisbane. Do you want to come to the party with me? And I'm like, no, I don't want to go to the party. I'm saying here, I'm going to church. Have you ever heard words come out of your mouth that you thought to yourself, I am the most stupid person in the world. That's exactly how I felt then. And he looked at me like I was the most stupid person he'd ever met in the whole world. And so he goes off to his party. I stay home. Two o'clock that afternoon, police come to our apartment. He'd rolled the car, flipped the car. Everybody in the car was killed. And I realized had I gone to the party and not gone to church the week before, I would have been in the car and I would have been killed and never gone to church the rest of my life. 
It's one of those moments. I, I don't know whether it was audible, but whatever it was, it was loud enough to be able to arrest my attention. And that was a game changer for me. Then there's a subliminal voice of God, the the whisper. Uh, Elijah talks about it. There's an earthquake, there's a fire, there's a mighty wind, and then God speaks to him through a whisper. The Bible says the still, small voice of God. That's when it's subliminal. It's not loud, it's not audible, but it's loud enough in you that it gets your attention. I was a chef, that was my trade. I'm moving a, a, a stock pot from one side of the kitchen to the other side of the kitchen. I wasn't thinking about God. I wasn't thinking about church. I wasn't thinking about anything other than don't drop the pot, it will burn your legs. And so I'm moving the pot and as I'm moving it across the kitchen, I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, go to Rhema Bible College. It was an Assembly of God Bible College in our town. I didn't attend an Assembly of God church. I was a pastor of part of Christian Outreach Center. Our pastors didn't like each other. They didn't communicate. Our churches didn't connect. I didn't even know to need to go to Bible college to be in ministry. I could have done a six-week course in Christian Outreach Center and become a church planner. Not a great strategy, but that's what they did. God says to me, go to Rima Bible College. And I I put the pot down, it's nothing. I'd never thought about that. I wasn't thinking about it then. And so I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, I I feel like God just spoke to me and told me to go to Rima Bible College. And she said, call your auntie Joan immediately and ask her, what did God tell me five years ago? So I called my auntie Joan. I'm like, auntie Joan, and what what did God tell mom five years ago? And she said, God told your mother that you'd be going to Rhema Bible College. Five years ago, I wasn't even saved. But God spoke to her and said, I'm going to go to Rhema Bible College, which is sort of like awesome. God's confirming his word and sort of like awful because why is God telling my mum stuff before he's telling me? She didn't need any help. She always knew what I was doing without any help from God. She had, she had mum quando skills. Then there's a written word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. God's spoken to us through his word. So if you never hear him audibly or subliminally or prophetically, just pick up the Bible and read it. God can speak to you through the word of God. There's things that God's telling you not to do. Don't kill. Killing's bad. Don't steal stuff. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. There's a whole heap of things that God tells us to do, not to do. Forgive. Move on. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's a whole heap of wisdom in God's word that God has already spoken to us. And you can pick up God's word and say, God's speaking to me today through his word. I love what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren says, stop looking for a voice and start looking for a verse. (laughs) Then there's revelation in the word. Jesus was handed the scroll when he went to the temple. He's 30 and he opens it in the book of Isaiah, finds a part. This is it here. The the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach. Then he says, this is me. In other words, he gets a revelation of himself in the word of God. We we believe here at Word of Life as we raise up young people, if young people find themselves in the house of God when they're young, they'll find themselves in the plan of God when they're older. And so Jesus gets a revelation, this is me, I see myself. A revelation is when the word that's written comes alive and, and either you're getting to see scriptures that were always there, but you never saw them before. Have you ever had that experience? When you're reading a book of the Bible and you're like, Did they throw that verse in there last week? I read this multiple times. I've never seen that verse before. Somebody shoved that in. They cut and paste that from somewhere. Then there's other times that God will just expand the word. When I moved to Seattle, was resigning and moving from senior pastoring into youth ministry and going on staff in Seattle. God took me through a journey in Philippians chapter two for about three or four months of just learning on how to reappropriate myself in the kingdom. And God spoke to me through his word. Then there are circumstances. In Numbers chapter 22, verse 22, but God was very angry when he went, talking about Balaam, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. 
Balaam was riding his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. And what was Balaam's response? He beat the donkey to get her back on the road. God sends an angel to Balaam's donkey to speak to Balaam from this circumstance. And he doesn't understand it's the voice of God. He keeps trying to change the circumstance and God just keeps repeating it because God's like, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to speak to you. When are you going to wake up and understand this is more than just a circumstance. This is me trying to speak to you. Somebody said this. They said a, a, a circumstance or a coincidence is often just God's way of staying anonymous. I, I learned over the years that, that God's voice can speak to me through certain circumstances. I was an itinerant ministry before I came here, which meant I traveled every week uh, in a different city pretty much every week. And most of the time, my, my calendar was filled for a whole year ahead and then some. But I learned over a process of time that if there are open spaces, like a, fr- a Sunday of open somewhere, not to freak out. That was usually God saying, I'm reserving this. It may be a circumstance for you, but don't, don't try to force the booking. If you can't fill it, just relax. During 2020, I had a lot of those. But inevitably on the Friday, in fact, one day it was the Saturday, I would get a phone call saying, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing Sunday? And I'm like, nothing. Will you come and preach for us? Will you come and minister to us? I flew into a a lot of COVID-infested situations. But I learned over the years that if there was a time frame open, God was going to do something. That was God's way of saying, I'm reserving this. Don't try to fill it. Don't try to get it booked. I'm reserving it for me. In 2021, all of June was open. The majority of July was open except one week and all of August was open. I'd never had it before when I had three months open with no ministry. It had never happened before. But I felt Holy Spirit saying to me, do not panic. I got it all under control. I'm like, this is good for you, but that means I'm not earning any money for three months. I'm not doing any ministry for three months. I just had 2020 at home where I spent a lot of time. I don't want to stay home anymore. But I I learned that this is God's plan. Right up into May, I had nothing booked. In May, got a phone call from here. Dr. Roden, Pastor Isaac said, will you come out and meet with us? I flew out here at the end of May. Dr. Roden said, what are you doing in June? I said, what do you need to be done in June? I'm good. He said, do you want to preach for us in June? I said, I can preach for you all June. He said, well, why don't we just start one week and then just roll? I preached the first week, came back the second week, came back the third week, came back the fourth week. Why? Because it was open. I preached the first weekend of July in Chicago, but Dr. Roden said, why don't you come back and preach again? Preach here in July, preach again, preach again. Then they said, would you like to come and be the pastor of of this church? And I had time open. I came in the first week of August, the second week of August. They voted August 15, started here as a lead pastor, August 16, and wouldn't have been able to do that and have that opportunity open had not those three months been open. But God had that in his plan in 20. 20. He knew what it was going to be. I didn't know, but I, I, I learned when the circumstances don't speak clearly, I need to sit back and go, God, what are you saying? God speaks to us through his son. Somebody said, Jesus is heaven's thoughts, words, principles, plans, and pattern for living, made visually and verbally manifest on the earth. You can just take the red letters that are in there where Jesus speaks and apply them straight to your life. That's God speaking to you. God can speak to us through angels. God can speak to us through uh, uh, preaching, through the, the word of God. God can send angels, heavenly and, and earthly. Just somebody can be an angel, a messenger from God into your life. There was a car accident on the way to church and not here, uh, in Australia. It's a car accident. And so I stopped the car. I was on my way to church and got out and helped the people, prayed for them, ministered to them. And uh, then I went off to church. And the lady in the car accident, I didn't know, she ended up coming to our church. And so she came to our church and she said to my mom, I was driving here and I had an accident and an angel appeared and ministered to us. She was blown away. 
And then she turned, she saw the angel and she said to my mum, that's the angel over there. And my mum said, that's no angel, that's my son. He's borderline a demon. God can speak to us through technology. God can speak to us through a song. The bottom line is God wants to speak to us. We just got to have our ears tuned in. Long ago, many times, many ways, long ago, long period of time, many times, multitude of many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets in these last days has spoken to us. God's going to speak to us in a way that we understand. He's going to grab our attention. For Moses, God gave him a burning bush. For Jacob, God gave Jacob a dream. Jonah, a rebellious prophet, he got him, gave him a whale. Elijah, it was a still, small voice. Now, there was an earthquake, but it was still a still, small voice. So we're going to learn to discern God's voice for us. We're going to develop a lifestyle of listening. Next week, I'm going to speak about waiting on the Lord, how to open your life for the presence of God. I, I really want to encourage you, join us, come along, bring some friends. If, if you have some Christian friends that haven't been in church for a while, or maybe they're disconnected from the presence of God, come next week. We're going to, I, I'm believing God's going to breathe on our church in a fresh way. I'm breathing for, believing for a move of the Spirit in a brand new way. But we've got to develop develop a lifestyle of listening to the voice of God. I want to hear you, God. I want you to speak to me. God speaks us in a language that we understand. God always, when he speaks to me, always has an Australian accent. When he speaks to prophets, apparently he always speaks to them in King James English. That God will speak to you in a way that you'll understand. God will speak to you uh, through the fabric of society. The Bible is full of illustrations that were delivered by God to an agricultural society because they understood it that way. The book of Genesis, chapter 1, I don't think we do God any favors when we try to convert Genesis, chapter 1, into a science book. God has been letting generations that didn't know anything different in the beginning, me, I created it. This is all you really need to know. You have, you have the ability right now. This is pretty much all you can understand. And so I'm going to speak to you through this. This is what I did. I'm God. In the beginning, me, and I created everything. And for thousands of years, as technology has grown, as we've developed, as we've changed, we now have the ability to see things that God created billions of miles away in space. And so it hasn't changed for us. In the beginning, God still applies, but today we're just now discovering how big that in the beginning was. Understanding the universe, understanding life, and how this amazing thing called the body, I I have this thing that shows me all all the framework of how this is built. Understanding our, our body should just illuminate our mind and expand our thinking to how big the creator was. It puts a whole new dimension on in the beginning and how far along, uh, far ago in the beginning was. We all get hung up on billions of years and trillions of years. Listen, God is eternal. Even a billion years is a drop in the bucket for God. In the beginning, God. We should be blown away with just that thought. God speaks to us. God speaks to us through the context of his word. He's going to speak to you in a way that validates the principle. He's not going to invalidate a principle already in the Bible. There are times when you should honestly question whether you're hearing from God. Times like, okay, is this God or not? Uh, When you get a word from a disconnected or uncommitted prophet who just gives you a random word, maybe, maybe you want to question it. I remember when I brand new saved and we had these prophets come to this house and they weren't committed to a church anywhere and they weren't in anybody's covering, but they had the gift of prophecy and they prophesied over my life what I should be doing right then. And none of it was accurate. It was all, it was all impressive and, you know, stroked my ego, but I couldn't have done any of it. But they didn't have any commitment to our church. They didn't have commitment to our pastor. They didn't even have the validation from the leadership. And they were just speaking things out of whatever. 
That was my first experience. I learned you, you, you need to, if somebody has a prophetic word, and I've had some people here in the last couple of weeks who've had prophecies that they feel like for our church. And let me just tell you how it works for me. If you say, I have a word for the church, that's fine. And then I'm going to ask you to write it down. Every time. Every time. I'm going to write, ask you to write it down. Write it down and give it to me. Now, if you're a normal prophet, that's going to offend you. I'm not going to write it down. Why do I need to write it down? Well, because you need to write it down so I can read it. I can't write it down. Well, then I'm like, what sort of a prophet are you? If you can't write it down, Jeremiah wrote it down. Isaiah wrote it down. John wrote it down on the Isle of Patmos. I'm guessing their words were more important than yours. Just chucking it out there. Don't want to offend you. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't trust you. You don't trust me to judge it. Well, you need to trust me to judge it. You want me to trust you to speak it. You need to trust me to judge it. Well, I don't feel like my word needs to be judged. Yes, it does. How do you think we got the prophecy from Jeremiah? Why, why is it in the Bible? Because it passed the scrutiny of people putting the canon of Scripture together. Why do we have the prophecy in the book of Revelation? Because it passed the scrutiny of somebody judging whether it was from God or not. There were books that were rejected as spurious and not from God that never made it into the canon. So I'm thinking if John and Isaiah and Jeremiah can have their words, have some scrutiny of leadership, I'm pretty sure yours can. Every word should be able to be judged. And then it's not only the word, I'm going to have a look at you. I'm going to find out, are you committed to our church? Are you giving to the church? Are you serving in the church? Are you a member of the church? Do you have anywhere that you're doing anything in this church other than giving us prophecies on what we should do? And if you can't tick all those boxes down, I'm still going to read the word because it could be from God. But but I'm, I'm going to give it less validation If you have a word from God, you have to be able to trust the scrutiny. God's word can handle it. God's word can handle the prayer. God's word can handle the filter. If you're a real prophet, any word that you have should be able to stand the test of scrutiny. Should be able to be run through the filter. And and it's never, listen, your validation is not, well, I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of prophecy. My personal response, whoop-de-doop-de-doo. I really don't care. I I don't want to be mean, but I just don't care. Well, I've got the gift of prophecy. Yeah, but are you usable? What does the Bible say? Many are, but few are. Let's do it again. Many are, but few are. So the fact that you're called doesn't make you special. The gifted callings of God are without repentance. So God can give you a gift. That's, that's from heaven to you. That's God's gift. Your responsibility is not that you got the gift. Your responsibility is presenting your gift in such a way that somebody else will give it validation. Many are called, but few are chosen. Are you selectable? So you've got a prophetic word. So you've got a prophetic gift. That, that's fantastic. But are you living your life in a way that it's, it's been able to be used? You can have a prophetic gift, but if you're sleeping around in the church and making out with a whole heap of people in the church, I'm very sorry, but you don't have any validation in your gift. If you have a word, you have a gift, but you're not connected, if you're not building a relationship, if you're not praying, if you're not serving, if you're not ministering to people, then then you don't have any validation for your gift. So if you feel like God's given you a prophetic gift, many are called. It's great that you're called, but you need to position yourself in a way that will allow your prophetic gift to operate properly. That's just the way it's going to happen. It's always a challenge. Unteachable Christians who use God told me as their ultimate checkmate. God told me. Oh, I can't argue with you. Do it. People are like, well, God, I'm, Pastor, I'm coming to tell you God told me this. Well, that's cool. 
Well, aren't you going to say something? Well, what do you want me to say? What do you want, what do you want me to say? God told you. I, I, I don't have many things I can say. Number one, I can say God didn't tell you and you hate me. I can say that was not from God and you hate me. I can say it was from God, but he's wrong. And then God strikes me with boils. Like, what, what can I say other than awesome? Here's a better thing. Don't say God told me. Say to somebody, hey, listen, I think God told me. And, and I, and I, and I, and I want to submit it to you. What do you think? And then we can check things like, uh, is your soul healthy? If you're carrying pain or anger or bitterness or frustration or depression, then the, then the, the pipeline of your soul may be corrupted. In Flint, Michigan, some years ago, the water they were drinking gave people lead poisoning. The water left the reservoir okay, but when it hit the pipes, what was in the pipes contaminated the water. So when God speaks to you, what's in your pipes is going to help what comes out the other end and what you feel like God is saying. And so if there's areas in your life of bitterness, brokenness, depression, mental illness, all all those things, doesn't mean that God won't speak. Doesn't mean that God's against you. He may speak, but they're the moments that you need to back out and go, you know what, maybe I'm not hearing from God. This is what I think God is saying to me. Multiple times in many ways, God spoke. Russell, you and the guys can uh, all come up right now and... Be careful of random and controlling people who just want to tell you how to live and who you should marry. Be careful of the ones who tell you who you should marry. If they're telling you that you should marry and you don't find that person attractive, who are they telling you you should marry? You need to find another prophet. How do we hear from God? Day-to-day living, just hear it from the Bible. You don't... You don't need to have God speak into you audibly every day and living in some spooky cosmos. You just pick up the Bible. God will tell you how to live. God will speak to you. God will speak to you. When it comes to destiny, dreams, vision, all those things, God will speak to you. When it comes to life-changing events, when it comes to life-changing events, The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Whenever I've had a big event, I've had a few of those in my life. I I, I want to make sure that a lot of these ways go. I want to have prophecy. I want to have it in the word. I want to have have vision. I, I want a multitude of God's counsel. I want somebody with a word of wisdom speaking in my life. When we made our move here, Pastor Kent Muncy was a word of wisdom in our life, giving us direction. I, I want, when I, when, I, when I resigned my church in New Zealand, and went from being a senior pastor to, to going into youth ministry, not the way normal people do it, but I felt God put that burden on my, there were eight years of words. Because this, this is not, like I'm resigning my church. I had staff, I had people following the vision. And, and build a great church, planted churches, but God's speaking to me. So it's not like I can just walk away. I can't walk in one week and go, hey, God told me to leave and then go. I have responsibility. So for eight years, eight, eight years, I'd had prophecies. I had people sending me scripture. I had circumstances. I had desire. Eight years, God was speaking to me about resigning my church as senior pastor and then just going into youth ministry. For 10 years, we prayed about pastoring, going from youth ministry back into pastoring. And that's what brought us here after a 10-year search with God. But over eight years, I'd had prophecy. So I went to my, my pastor at the end of eight years. I went to my pastor at a conference and I said, Pastor, this is what I feel like God's telling me. I feel like God's telling me to resign my church and just go into youth ministry. And then I, I, I laid out to him the prophetic words I'd had for eight years, prophecies, phone calls, things people had said, counsel, all these things. He said to me at the end of the conversation, I don't really know. I don't really know if this is God or not. Sounds like it could be God. I said, no, let's pray about it. 
So we went to the conference that night and the preacher preached. Have you ever been in a, in a big meeting where the preacher's just preaching to you? You feel sorry for everybody else? Ever had that moment? That's what happened. There's over 2,000 people in the building and they all came for no purpose other than to hear what God was saying to me. The message was directly about what I was asking to me. Pastor came up to me at the end of the service and he said, well, I think you've heard from God. I think God spoke to you in that message. I think God's told you that's what you should do. And then they're going to the green room and hanging out with some of the other speakers and friends and having coffee after the service. But even then, I'm saying to my friends, I think God's called me to resign my church. And I don't know, what do you think? And I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing this idea around, even though I'd had all these things. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And no, 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 no. I'm not sure if this is God. And then I, some, some point in that night, uh, somebody come up and said, hey, there's a lady outside who has a, a prophetic word for you. And I, I apologize. This is really horrible. But I'm just being honest, Luke, this is what I thought. Oh, that's all I need. Some crazy lady with a prophetic word for me. And I made her wait like 10 minutes. I'm like, if it's a prophetic word, she'll wait. This is horrible. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an evil person. But it's not now. It was like this is years ago. So I was evil back then. I'm, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Anyway, I go out. This is literally how it went down. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. I walked out. I saw the lady. I knew the lady. I'm like, ah. She started crying. I'm like, oh, this is all I need. Some emotional prophet with a word. Nothing in me was good. Everything in me was horrible. Then she said, this makes no sense to me. Of which I thought, well, if it makes no sense to you, it's not going to make any sense to me. Again, I am a horrible person. Then she said, God spoke to me tonight in the middle of the service and told me to tell you, you know what to do. Don't ask him anymore. And I was like, I'm in the midst of holiness. Man, I started repenting for sin. I did. I started repenting for sin I didn't do. I started repenting for sin I would have done if I had time. Like I'm the, and, and I never asked God again. I never asked God again. I resigned the next day. Eight years, culminating in a message, culminating in a random woman getting a random word from God in a church service that changed everything. But it wasn't just hers, it was hers built on a whole heap of foundations. Why? Because it was a big change. And you don't want to just do it on one word. Our prayer this year is God speak to us. Speak to us as a church, speak to us as a community, speak to us individually. But God, we want to open our lives up for your spirit to speak. Make yourself real to us. That's what we want. Make yourself real to us.